Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce this next guest. He is the Director of Collegiate Sales at Teams Works, Larry Long Jr. How you doing today, Larry? Wow, Adam, that was one of the best intros I've ever had. Divorce <laughs> Force! Oh my goodness, happy to be here. <laughs> Yeah, man, where are you? Uh, where are you calling in from today? Come on now, the Dirty D. I'm in Durham, North Carolina. Oh man, North Carolina. How are uh, how are things down south? Life life is good. I can't complain. And it looks like you're holding it down in the DMV. That's my old stomping grounds up there. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, um, I'm originally from Florida, so yeah, man. It's great to be here in the DMV. I see you went to. Uh, Howard High School. Uh, so yeah, man. Uh, how did you? You know, what was it like uh, being going to Howard and going up in Howard County? Yeah, man. Good old Howard County. Howard <laughs> High School. HHS Lions. It's uh, it, it was it was great. I mean, I moved around a lot as a youngster. So I mean, I was born in Maryland, but lived in Danville, Illinois, Grand Island, Nebraska, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, then Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Before we. We made our way back for uh, middle school and high school in Howard County. Okay. And was that because, uh, was that military? Uh, both of my parents worked for the Department of Veterans Affairs. So I grew up around veterans, uh, but my parents didn't serve. They just, uh, they served the veterans who served uh, for our freedom. And it's a small world. I see you got some experience with good old Columbia Association. That's my yeah. old stomping ground, man. <laughs> yeah. Good old CA, man. Yeah. It's- uh, a great place. I mean, I know with uh, the the pandemic. I mean, yeah, Columbia Association, man. It's Howard County, Columbia was recently named, you know, the safest place in America. And yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity here in the DMV. But uh, enough, you know, I enough about me. Do uh, want to kick it to you and and talk about you know your career. You went to University of Maryland and come out of college. Uh, you know, you worked in sales and, and let me ask you this, cause I, I know being an individual contributor, you know, coming out of school, getting that first job is always a challenge, but how did you transition from that first job, uh, into your next role and, and climb the ladder as far as going from the individual contributor to being a leader and, and the, as your career progressed? Yeah, that's a great question. So, Adam, it's crazy. When I graduated, I thought I was going to be playing pro baseball. And <laughs> fortunately, they they never called my name, but you just keep it moving. But I uh, started my career at Accenture doing IT consulting. And uh, after three plus years, I realized that, hey, this is not my passion. Uh, this is not what really makes me fulfilled. So I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina to open an indoor baseball and softball academy. And I see that you've done some work over there at Ripken Baseball uh, over there. I think that was in Aberdeen uh, where the proving ground is. And (laughs) they've got the mini Camden Yards. They've got a great setup there, which is great. Uh, But I opened up an indoor baseball and softball training facility, which was my passion. Uh, After a year and a half, we had to close our doors because we ran out of cash. And Mm. you need cash to keep the lights on. And that's when I started (laughs) my official professional sales career, making 150 dollars to CPAs and accountants and uh, absolutely getting uh, just bombarded every day. I had to wear my bulletproof vest because we were getting (laughs) beat over the head, uh, just bombing the rubble, uh, calling the same CPAs and accountants. I remember my territory was North Carolina, South Carolina and Tennessee. And then I was able (laughs) to convince somebody to open it up. I took over Alaska and Hawaii. So I could have wow. extra calling hours. And uh, that was just a uh, an interesting experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, going from, you know, Accenture to obviously opening, you know, your baseball facility. What was that time frame like? And talk about, you know, the grind of trying to start that business and the ups and downs of that um, as you were trying to figure things out. Yeah. So, I mean, that time it was uh, it it was fun. I can tell you. I mean, it was a big (laughs) transition moving from uh, D.C., Maryland, Northern Virginia down to North Carolina. And uh, I just made the most of it. It, It's crazy because I met my wife during that time. And uh, (laughs) uh, my wife is from Argentina. It was just a blast. But I can tell you transitioning from closing the academy 
to making 150 dials in software sales, that was a big adjustment. But I, I learned so much just about resilience. I learned so much about being creative as well as just hard work, transitioning the hard work from the baseball academy, the hard work from my baseball career uh, into the sales space. And uh, once again, there's so many similarities. If you work hard, you uh, stick with it, you believe in yourself, you uh, watch the company that you keep and make sure that you have a supportive crew around you. The sky's the limit. And I was uh, really fortunate to have success, early success, and then to move into a, a marketing leadership role, uh, really promoting the company at the national and international level in the press was just a phenomenal experience. And uh, my time at SageWorks, I spent two years there initially. I uh, learned so much. I had several different roles. I left for a year. Okay. And then I came back for another two years, uh, <laughs> once again, just expanding my horizon. So that was kind of my my jump into software sales and then my jump in the software sales leadership. And uh, it's been quite the journey, quite the adventure. Some would say misadventure to uh, where we're at today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and talk about having early success, you know, after, you know, closing the baseball academy and understanding, OK, and maybe this opportunity closing, but having that early success in sales and other opportunities that you had and creating that success and then turning those opportunities into leadership roles. Yeah, well, I'm going to keep it real with you, Adam. Uh, the voice was not with me <laughs> because, because I did not have yeah. early success. And I remember calling my uh, my, my business partner uh, who was in sales and saying, hey, Jason, I need some help, man. You need to help me out. So <laughs> he was like, hey, let's do some role play. And I remember him telling me, Larry, you're so scripted and you're so just <laughs> prescriptive. He was like, you sound like a robot. Hello, this is Larry Long Jr. I'm calling. <laughs> he was like, what in the heck? You don't talk like that, man. He said, you don't have to be uh, super official. You don't have to be someone else. He said, be yourself. He said, just pretend like it's you and I talking. Uh, you and your boys talk, and that's that's what's going to lead to you being successful. And lo and behold, he was right. When I took that mask off and, and trying to fake it like I was someone else that I wasn't, uh, that was when I experienced success. But I can tell you, I think it was day four. Uh, I remember I made 148 calls, and the expectation was $150 a day. And the next day, my uh, manager, I'll never forget him, uh, he said, hey, come into my office. I thought I was getting a promotion. I said, oh, shucks, I'm getting a raise. I'm getting a promotion already. And uh, womp, womp, he said, uh, the expectation is 150 calls, Larry. If you make 148 calls again, don't come back. I said, good. Whoa. I said, good, googly muggly. They are not messing around. So lo and behold, I uh, I did not miss that 150 dial mark at all. And thankfully, I didn't. That company had an exit. My stock options, uh, those pieces of paper turned into real paper and uh, really afforded me the opportunity where now I'm, I'm actually investing in small businesses. So uh, truly fortunate, truly blessed. That is applied knowledge at its fullest. Um, that's huge. And, and I mean, my VP of sales says it all the time. It's not knowledge is power. It's applied knowledge yep. is power, right? So, you know, talking about the sales environment, how important is it can, to continue to improve and apply it? Because obviously there's always metrics you have to hit but how do you continuously go and perform on a consistent basis? What do you think are some key traits to do that? Yeah, well, I love applied knowledge and that really turns out <laughs> to action because we all know and we all learn. And for the most part, we know what we're supposed to be doing, but doing it and executing on it and having the discipline uh, to do it day in and day out is what separates the, the great uh, from those that are kind of average and kind of good. So the, the traits that I'm looking for are folks that are disciplined, uh, folks that are driven internally, uh, folks that have this entrepreneurial spirit where they're not just there. I call them pluggers. They're not just there to plug, just show <laughs> up, kind of punch in and punch out. Nah, if you're in uh, software sales, and even if you're not, I'm looking want to 
get after it. They want to have success. They want to be the best they can be. And they're willing to uh, turn what they know or what they've been uh, provided with. And they're willing to execute and do. I mean, Adam, it's we, we make things so difficult so many times. It's not that difficult. I mean, it's really the basics. It's can you execute on the basics on a consistent basis? Can you do the hard rowing day in and day out and just have that discipline of doing it? And that's really that that's where the margins are between those that have great success and those that don't. And really, I'm gonna share with you. It's just a little secret. The little things mean so much. And uh, I had a VP, Jay Borkowski, I'll never forget. He said, hey, there was a, a study that was done of horse racing. And I'm a gambler, <laughs> but I don't mess with the horses. But he said they looked at the number one horse and the number two horse over the course of a season. And they looked at their times and it was a tenth of a second difference. But then they looked at the purse, the earnings, and the number one horse versus the number two horse, the difference was millions of dollars. So that right there tells you that even though the times were just a tenth of a second difference, the uh, earnings were huge. So when you look at sales, if you just put in that little effort, if you're making $150 and everyone else is doing $150, why not make $160? And you think about it every week. I'm not a math major, but that's 50 additional <laughs> every week. That's 200 every month. And uh, once again, I'm not a math major, but I think that's 2,400 every year additional dials. What could that mean to your earnings and your earnings potential? I would say that it, it, it would um, increase dramatically just from that little change in your behavior. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it any better than that. And uh, talk about technology and its role in sales, uh, because as you mentioned, the little things matter. So Obviously, the person has to be the one to always uh, tweak something here or there and has to understand that it starts with them, right? Uh, but talk about the role of technology and how much of an importance or efforts do you put on new technology to help guide you know, success in sales? That's a great question. Technology is a double-edged <laughs> sword, I think is the accurate term to put it. So there's so many benefits, uh, increased efficiencies and just uh, uncovering opportunities. I talked to a gentleman earlier who works for an AI. They leverage data and artificial intelligence to uncover. Here go the best leads. They serve up the best leads to call your uh, best ideal customer profile. So technology, I love it. Uh, but what I don't like about it is that through that efficiency, through that innovation of technology, the automation can make folks lazy <laughs> and uh, makes people. It can not always instead of accelerating folks, it can make folks dependent uh, upon. it. I was just talking with my doctor today and I asked him, hey, wh what are your top learnings in 18 years as a medical doctor? And he said, well, number one is just the the. Uh, challenge that folks these days have with interpersonal relationships and communication. So, I mean, if you think about it in sales, you're, it's a people yeah. business. You're, you're, it's, you're in, it's the human element is huge. So if you take out the human and you take out the, the, the people from sales people, <laughs> if you take out the person of salesperson, what do you have? It's just a lot of robots that are just automated and there's no human element. So, uh, once again, overall, technology can be super strong when it uh, is additive, uh, but when it replaces that human element, it's like, why do I even need people? And what are we really doing to the sales profession when it's really the people business that we should be in? And that's just my opinion there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally agree with that. Um, it's got to start with the person. If you take the salesperson out of that, what do you have, right? You just have, as you mentioned, it's robots, it's it's automation, and and that's key because sales, it's not B to C, it's not B to B, it's P to P, right? People to people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I love it. I love it. So so I mean, talk about you know you mentioned when your manager came in and was like, hey man, uh, you got to make 150. So talk about your ability to handle rejection. And is there any particular moment when you were speaking to somebody who was like, man, that that was a bad call? 
Yeah, I got you on both of those. So, Adam, I played baseball, so I'm I'm the king of strikeouts. <laughs> I, uh, my my head coach, he said, Larry, you need to get your eyes checked because you seem to be swinging at air and what's up? And I got my eyes checked and the eye doctor said, hey, your vision is perfect. <laughs> I said, Co- I said, coach, it's not my eyes. It's my it's my urges, my internal urges. I'm just so aggressive that I want to hit hit anything. He was like, man, you're swinging at balls in the dirt. I'm like, yes, I am. And I'm, I'm proud of it. But uh, baseball is a game of adjustment. Sales is a game of adjustment. It's a game of failure. You think about it in baseball, if you're a 70 percent failure, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Like where where can you do that in life where you're 30, you have 30 percent success and folks are like, great job. They're patting <laughs> you on the back. Not many places, but in sales. Yes. So, I mean, I'm just um, I, I'd, I would be lying if I said I love rejection. That would be false. But I'm OK with folks telling me no, because I know that uh, that no is generally K-N-O-W. They just don't know enough information or it could be no for right now. I mean, you look at the data, most of the people that we ended up working with at that company and other companies, at one point they told us to scram. <laughs> They told us, hey, I'm not interested. Don't don't ever call me again. <laughs> so j- just knowing that it's like, hey, and I'm, I'm a competitor inside. So uh, CPAs and accountants, they're generally in geographic regions and they're somewhat competing for business clients, individual clients. So if I called one person and they told me to scram, I would say, OK, I'm going to move on to the next Fido. I'm going to effort drive on. I'm going to move on and I'm going to find your competitor. And I'm going to help your competitor to excel. And uh, I don't know. We'll see if they put you out of business. It was just that was just kind of my mindset uh, where it was like, hey, if you don't want some of this, I'm going to find someone who does. Now, in terms of uh, a really tough uh, experience, I had one uh, accountant up in New York and he said it's so calm and cool. He said, hey, Larry, this is what I need you to do. I need you to put on a pair of concrete shoes and jump off a bridge. I said, oh, yeah, it took me it took me a second. I'm not the brightest bulb. But I said he just told me to kill myself. I said, "Uh oh, they didn't cover that in the manual in terms of how to overcome objections. I don't know what to say. So uh, I kind of said the first thing that came to mind, I said, "Uh, God bless you, too. And it was kind of like a statement, kind of like a question like. I don't know what to say to that, but yeah, that was, uh, that was just catching someone at a really dark place in order to, to spew venom like that. But I can't control that. The only thing I can control, and there's an acronym, some people call it eat. Uh, I'm trying to cut down on what I eat. So I'll call it tea. I'm going to spill the tea on you, Adam. The T stands for you can control how you treat other people. The, the E stands for you can control your emotions and the A is you can control your actions and your attitude. Mm. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Sir. And coming, I mean, yeah, that, that guy obviously was um, not at the right place and just talk about the ability to consistently do that regardless of external factors, right? Um, regardless of what a person, because obviously uh, salespeople go through a lot of rejections and not only that, but, you know, things come up personally as well. Uh, so how do you make sure that no matter who you're talking to, you are 100% good to go no matter what? And what do you, what do you think, um, you know, are some key strategies that you've used in the past to do that regardless of the environment. Yeah, I love it. So number one, you got to take a look in the mirror and you've got to be satisfied. You've got to be confident in that person that's looking back. So whether it's starting with your why and having a personal why statement, a personal mission statement, it really starts with you. Like, why are you doing what you're doing what are your goals? What are your objectives? And how do you plan on getting there? Now you can start going to work in terms of how do you plan to impact others for the positive? And uh, when I think about sales, my definition is really playing matchmaker. I'm trying to match <laughs> my product, my service, my thoughts and or ideas with someone else's needs, their wants, desires, challenges, hopes, dreams and aspirations. And if I'm able to make a match, we should be working together. 
if I'm not able to make a match, I'll be the first to tell you and we can part ways as friends. So really just understanding that rejection, it comes with the territory. That's what we all signed up for. And if you're not okay with it, then it's probably best to find a different profession. But if you are okay, and maybe you're not okay, but you better get okay with not being okay. I think they say uh, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable <laughs> and just realize that, hey, you got to trust the process, enjoy the journey, and make the most out of each situation. And uh, I talked to one of my former reps yesterday, uh, Mr. James Babb, and he said uh, he came and talked to my team. This is probably seven, eight years ago. He said, hey, in every situation, you got to look for the good, the great and the wonderful. And it's crazy because the following day we got hit with a crazy snowstorm here in good old Rollywood, North Kakalaki. <laughs> and one of my reps, Nathan, he uh, Nathan Thorpe, he said, hey, uh, he ended up getting stranded. His car got stuck. He had to walk like a mile to a hotel, ended up having to sleep at a hotel. And he said, Larry, your boy, James, his message couldn't have come at a better time. The good the good of, of me getting stuck was that I got some exercise, having to trek a mile in some uh, in some snow. That was some good exercise. He said the great was that he was in a comfy bed uh, of the hotel. And the wonderful was that he didn't have his dog and his fiance, now wife, his fiance at the time. He didn't have them uh, pretty much fighting and battling for uh, for bed space. So it's all about your perspective. Wow, I mean, I love it. I mean, that's that's so true, right? Uh, keep keeping your perspective. Uh, so, talk about your role at Team Works, and you know, how that opportunity come about, and what is what does your day to day look like there? Yeah, so I mean, I'm director of collegiate sales, and really, my team focuses on selling our communication platform, collaboration platform, as well as our social media platform to. Uh, colleges and universities, yeah. D1, D2, D3, NAIA, and JUCO. Uh, how did it come about? It's funny because in January of 2018, I spoke at the Teamworks sales kickoff. <laughs> and uh, you fast forward to June and I'm now joining the team. So it's really it really comes down to relationships, just uh, the relationships that I had internal with uh, some of the sales leaders, as well as the sales members and just uh, the timing was right, the fit was right, and everything just kind of fell into place uh, for my transition. Uh, in terms of my day-to-day, -day, it's really focused on uh, assisting the team, number one, with uh, driving the right activities in order to put ourselves in a position to help uh, as many colleges and universities as possible. And within sales, we do have targets and goals that we're trying to hit. Uh, and then number two, it's really developing the, the people on my team helping them to take their respective game, both professionally, but also personally to that next level. Uh, and you might ask, what does that next level look like? Well, from a professional standpoint, we judge based on there's 12 subcategories, but there's five major categories. Number one is your knowledge around the company, the who, what, when, where, why, and how of what we do. Number two is the industry and actually industries that we serve. We're, we're in SaaS sales, we're in high tech innovation, but we're also in the sports and athletic space. Number three is the product. You better know the product inside and out. And for us, the products uh, that we offer. Number four is internal resources, whether that's uh, connections and people that you know, uh, whether it's clients and uh, success stories, uh, whether it's the tools that we use on our tool belt internally to optimize performance. And then the last one, last but not least, it's your sales skill, your business acumen, being able to uncover challenges and pains and then being able to find a, a match and a solution to those. So that's really uh, that's kind of day to day. My job hit numbers, progress careers. And then number three, which is probably the most important is have fun. If you're doing one and two, we're going to be having a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, man, I love that. And how does Teamworks uh help you know the college and universities with its platform i love it so our mission is to empower and engage elite athletes and we do that through a communication app and we all know covid has shown us that communication is key <laughs> and especially within any organization but especially in sports teams and, and athletic departments if you don't have everyone on the same page from a communication and collaboration standpoint 
uh-oh, you're going to be in trouble. So that's our core product. Uh, we acquired a company, Influencer, which is a social media platform really designed to allow athletes to tell their story, to share their story, uh, which is great from a student athlete perspective, but it's also great from a university athletic department perspective, because what we found is so many times recruits, alumni, fans, they're not all too interested in the team Twitter account. They want to <laughs> they want to look at the actual players on the team. If you look at Duke a few years back, Zion Williamson, uh, if I'm a Duke fan, which I'm not, but essentially I might look at Duke's uh, Twitter page, but I'm definitely looking at Zion Williamson's page to get a, a glimpse, to get an insight on what it's like to be a part of that 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 men's basketball program over there. So uh, we can't stress enough the importance of telling uh, essentially storytelling. And you're in sales. I'm in sales. I like to call it story selling. What are you selling through your stories? Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. So you mentioned Twitter, right? So what would an athlete uh, gain or how does that look? Um, say you work with the university. What is the process like for them to engage through the teamwork platform? Yeah, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Google suite, but you've got Gmail, you've got Google Calendar, you've got Google Files, Forms, Travel. We essentially provide that in our app for every athletic department and team that we partner with. So essentially all their communications are going to go through one central location, and that's Teamworks. Uh, If there's a change right now, we see with bowl season upon us, the bowl games, Things change. It's a fluid situation. The bus might not leave at two. Maybe it got moved up to the bus is leaving at 11 a.m. Now, how do you get that message out? Well, in the olden days, you could uh, send a carrier pigeon or put it on a stone (laughs) tablet or use smoke signals. But today we just uh, send out a Teamworks. We update it in the calendar and it sends a message to the team. And I'm now able to look and hold the team accountable. I can see that out of the 80 players that traveled, 79 of them have viewed the message. So I might just reach out to that one that didn't or reach out to a captain and say, hey, make sure that uh, the second string quarterback got that message. And for everyone else, if they show up late, oh, I didn't know that the bus was leaving at 11. I can say, eh, that's BS. Go run the stairs. Or, hey, you're going to sit out this first half because I'm holding you accountable you got the message and I can see it right here. So it's really, it's a communication. It's an accountability, just helping to make sure that everyone's on the same page and is aware. I, I talked to a director of ops who said, Teamworks helps me with plan B, plan C, and even plan D when things don't <laughs> go as planned, which is pretty much every trip. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And and who manages that? So is that managed by the university or does is there staff by Teamworks that is available to manage that service? Yeah, so normally we have super users at the teams and institutions that we work with, and they're really the uh, on-campus liaison. <laughs> uh, they're, <laughs> they're the Teamworks expert, and we've talked about having a Teamworks certification because it is such a unique tool and such a skill and uh, just the creativity that we've seen from teams and departments. I mean, with the return to play, uh, just them using our form solution to uh, capture information, essentially like a virtual, uh, I guess you would call it the clipboard to uh, understand, hey, before you come into the locker room, I need to know, have you been experiencing any symptoms? Have you been exposed to anybody? So we just have folks that are getting really jiggy with it, I guess you could say, and just getting super creative, leveraging (laughs) our tool and for, uh, for ways and use cases that we never would have imagined. So it's it's phenomenal. I can tell you that each and every day it's something different, learning something new, helping someone in a different way. So we've really been just overall so fortunate working with over 3,000 teams. I mean, chew on that. Wow. That's a lot of, of uh, just uh, – institutions and teams that are high performing uh, athletic teams. So it's, it's been just awesome. And do you guys work uh, across the NCA with division one, two and three? Exactly. You got that right. We've got another. You work with uh, Stevenson? 
Do you know? I, I don't think we have your Stevenson. You're an alum of Stevenson. <laughs> I need you to make some calls and hook that up. Come on now, Bors. <laughs> May the Bors be with you. Come on, dude. Oh, man. You got to talk to the um, information uh, assistant SID over there, Sam. She's uh, – I'm sure she'd definitely love to hear more about Teamworks. <laughs> hey, Teamworks makes the dream work, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but make that <laughs> make that happen, big dog. <laughs> <laughs> love it, man. That's that's awesome, and I love that. And yeah, I mean, that's that's really great information. And what do you think? Obviously, you mentioned your know, teams are getting creative. What do you think, uh, from your perspective, that you've learned working at Teamworks? Uh, what is something that you took taken away during the pandemic? Yeah, so I mean, the big thing is just the importance of being flexible. And um, there's a saying, help me out. It goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yes, yes, that that is the saying. And before I <laughs> hopped on, I was watching some uh, Steve Harvey family feud. And I'm going to have to say it in my Steve Harvey voice. Survey says, if it ain't broke, <laughs> break it. And I can tell you, Adam, during this pandemic, I mean, the nine, 10 months that we've been in this thing, a lot of folks have gotten broken. And I think the thing that we've learned is to be ready and prepared for plan B, plan C, plan D, as well as being able to flex that when plan F happens uh, and you don't have a plan to figure it out. I, I met a, a runner, a cross country runner from Boston College, and I use the term Fido. It's not my dog's name, but it's kind of a motto of F it, drive on. <laughs> he said, hey, I'm going to steal that, but I'm going to give you one in return. And he called it Fitfo. He said, me and my roommates say it to each other all the time, figure it the F out. That's, nice. that's, that's <laughs> what we had to do. We had to figure this thing out. And I can tell you our strategy has been absolutely awesome getting closer to our clients, really becoming partners and sitting right beside them as they navigate through this turbulence and through this chaos and just trying to figure it all out. We've been partners, true partners, not fake partners where, oh, we're here and we got your back. No, we don't have your back. We got your front, your back, side to side. We're right there in the trenches with you, understanding what you're going through and helping you, helping you to navigate these waters. So that's just been key. Yeah, I love that. And, and talk about, uh, from your experience, why do you think some organizations have struggled with that, you know, throughout the pandemic? Obviously, uh, not every organization is created equal. So uh, what do you think you've seen with organizations that haven't been successful? Adam, you've said it, man. Every organization is not built for tough. I mean, it's kind of like people. <laughs> Everyone is different. We're all different snowflakes and, and built differently and have different values and the way that we go about it. And those organizations that have been stuck in their way, they've got the blinders on and you ask them, Hey, why do you do it this way? Because we've always done it that way. Come on, man. Don't ask me. It's like, uh Oh, you're in trouble. Uh, I can just smell that you're about to go extinct. You're here today and you're going to be gone tomorrow. Kind of like the T-Rex, but those organizations that have been open to taking the blinders off flexing, and uh, getting close to their clients and listening to their employees. Like I said, we're in the people business. If you don't ask your people that are closest to the action for feedback, for input, for thoughts on what's going on on the front lines, now all of a sudden you're making decisions based off of just, I don't know, I think they call it HIPPO, highest paid person in the room. It's like, you, you don't have any data. You're not close to the action. You're just making a, a decision just based off of your biases. Why not ask folks that are in the trenches? So it's, uh, I don't know, it's uh, Mark Cuban said it best at the beginning of the pandemic. He said, hey, during this time, just keep your eyes and ears open. Organizations and individuals are going to let you know who they really are. Their true colors are going to shine through. And I can tell you, Mark Cuban is one of my favorite sharks. He's actually my favorite shark. And I've I've yeah. had my popcorn out since I was Friday, March the 13th. And I've been taking notes and I've been observing both individuals and organizations. And I can tell you their true colors have shown bright <laughs> in terms of who they are, what they believe in and how they go about their business. And uh, it's just a hunch. I don't have a crystal ball, but. 
2021 is going to be the year of free agents. I think we're going to see a lot of sales professionals jump ship, make moves more than we traditionally do, just because there's a lot of employee disengagement. There's a lot of feelings by employees that, hey, my organization, my leadership, they haven't really led the way in the right way that aligns with my values. I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's tough and unfortunately. Um, so talk about, you know, growing up, uh, you know, who did you lean on for advice? And talk about the influence of sports. Obviously, you played uh, baseball at the college level, but talk about the role of sports and who did you lean on the most for, you know, advice and things as, as yeah, a youngster? Yeah, I love this question, Adam, and it's got to be both of my parents. I think you asked for one, but I can't say my mom and not my dad. I can't say my dad and not my mom. Uh, it's both of my parents. And I was so fortunate. My father passed away five years ago, uh, December 11, 2015, but he lives on with me and just his impact. Uh, he ran track at Maryland. That was his ticket out of the projects of Baltimore City. Uh, first person from his family to graduate high school, uh, went on to get his um, graduate degree and uh, just an amazing person. And uh, the role of sports. I remember as a youngster, uh, my dad was still training for uh, track and field. He was a long jumper, triple jumper. And I remember playing in the little sand pit and just having a having a blast <laughs> digging tunnels while he was putting in that work to uh, to continue to compete at a high level. And uh, just being able to witness that firsthand and see that internal drive, that desire, that determination and that action. Because a lot of people think about it. A lot of people talk about it, but uh, not too many people actually act upon it. And uh, that just had a huge impact. And then sports, uh, my parents made sure I was involved in sports. Uh, they made sure that I realized that, hey, our priorities is, is faith first, family second, then education and then sports uh, come after that. Uh, and I left off family, left off friends, but uh, they certainly made sure that we had our priorities. And if I wasn't taking care of business in the classroom, I wouldn't have any opportunity to take care of business on the ball field or on the court. <laughs> and I tried one year of soccer. I guess they call that the pitch. Uh, what I learned with soccer is that uh, it's just not high scoring enough. And it was uh, it was too much running. I said, I'm not going to be running around for all this time for a one nothing <laughs> game. I said, nope, let me play some basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. And uh, talk about, you know, what drew you to baseball and, you know, what position? Yeah. So baseball, it's just a beautiful game. And I mean, growing up, it was I wanted to play football. My parents said, nope. My mom said, uh, you see how crazy <laughs> your dad is in the head. That's from getting hit on the football field. But uh, nah, baseball, basketball, one year of swimming, one year, one season of soccer. I did judo. And uh, baseball was just really, that was my jam. And actually basketball, I was a beast at basketball until I stopped growing. Uh, up until middle school, <laughs> yeah, seventh grade, eighth grade, then I stopped growing and everyone else caught up. But uh, baseball was just a combination of being able to use my hand-eye coordination, leveraging my speed, as well as it's a thinking man's game. So it was, uh, it, it's, it's a game that I enjoy. Uh, in terms of the position that I played, get ready for this. I played left out. Hey, hey, coach, can I get in? Nope, Larry, you're left out. Nah, I'm just, <laughs> oh, I'm messing with you. Oh. Yeah, my, uh, my freshman that. year in Maryland, I was fortunate. I uh, started off my career one for my first 24, struggling. Like, it doesn't take a math major to figure out, ooh, that's that's not good. That will get you left out. That's, that's a famous <laughs> oh, stuff right too there. soon. <laughs> Too, too, too soon, Davis. but I can tell you, I didn't have that. I didn't have I that Chris, Chris Davis, Davis power. I was a little dude that thought that I was a power hitter. My coach said, hey, Larry, you know, you're a little guy. You're supposed to go gap to gap, hard line drives. You're not supposed to be driving, trying to drive things out of the ballpark. You're a little man. So uh, I, I had the big the big man syndrome. I was a little guy. I was a big guy trapped in a little man's body. But uh, I, I started uh, I pretty much started in, in left field. My freshman year after I got over that hump of starting one for my first 24 and ended up hitting 289. 
uh, overall 319 in the ACC. I was batting ninth in the order. So I, so I saw, saw a steady <laughs> diet of fastballs, which uh, that's my forte. The fastballs I can hit. Anything with a wrinkle on it, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, my junior, uh, my sophomore, junior, and senior year, I started in center field. Really got to stretch out my legs and used to hold the school record for stolen bases, uh, career and single season. But I think they say records are meant to be broken and Charlie White broke that thing. And now my son, who's 11, said, hey, dad, I'm going to get that thing back in the family name. I said, hey, go get it. I love his determination. I said, we we got to we got to work. Let's go. Let's go to work. I, I love that. I love that. And talk about uh, the pieces of advice that your uh, parents gave you, either your mom or dad that still hold on yeah, to this so, I mean, there's so many, but the, the two, I'll give you the top two. Number one is the power of hard work. And uh, I remember my mom, I used to have chores and used to have a list of to-dos every weekend. <laughs> she said, if you're going to do it halfway, and she used a different term, she said, if you're going to do it half-ass, just just don't yeah. do it at all she's like you're you're doing it doing it halfway like halfway sweeping up in the kitchen you you're better off just not doing it at all so that really stuck with me if you're gonna do something do it excellent like or else don't do it at all uh and then the second one was really around just having compassion so i mean my father worked for department of veterans affairs uh recreational therapy uh, just helping out veterans, serving our veterans who put it all on the line so that we can be free. My mom, uh, they used to volunteer me. They used to make me volunteer until I got to an age where <laughs> it was my choice. And I said, yes, I would love to have the opportunity to sow into someone else uh, in a positive manner. So it's really that 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 human connection and that authentic care. A lot of people say that they care about people. I'm a, I'm a people person. Well, what does that mean when people talk? Do you actually listen? Do you engage? Are you giving them eye contact? It's just the little things. And my parents said, hey, you show someone you care by your actions, uh, your posture, by your, your eye contact, your, your handshake, just the little things that mean so much. So it's really just, and I wouldn't say mastering the basics, but they pretty much said, you need to focus on the very basics, the please and the thank you 100% of the time. It's it's not cool to do it just every now and then. You got to say, please, anytime you request something. And if someone ever shares something with you, thank you. And these are just the basics of life that oftentimes folks either forget, or maybe they were never taught, or they just decide that it's not important, but uh, those would be kind of the top two keys uh, that I've learned from my folks. Yeah, that's huge. I, I love that. And, and you know, going forward, talk about, you know, balancing, you know, your family side, your family with the career, because sometimes uh, people sacrifice one or the other, but it doesn't always have to be that way. And how do you do that? Yeah, uh, I can tell you it's a work in progress. I think they call that a whip. Uh, I have have not mastered it. Uh, And I'll be honest with you, Adam, I'm a, I wouldn't say workaholic, but I enjoy what I do. Uh, In addition to teamworks, I've also launched a motivation, inspiration, sales, keynote, uh, speaking, coaching, uh, consulting. And I love it just being able to help people. So I spend time and effort around that, but I'm also intentional. I mean, I'll give you today, I worked hard. uh, And then my family, we take a a daily, just a walk around the neighborhood. My son and I, we toss the football around in the dark, just bopping each other on the head. Uh, My daughter normally rides her bike and my wife just walks and we go to the mailbox, we wrap around, we say hi to the neighbors and uh, we keep it moving. That's kind of our family time. And then dinner time. Uh, before I hopped on with you, we were grubbing. It's Taco Tuesday, man. We, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah Taco don't Tuesday. tell LeBron that I said it. Taco Tuesday, but uh, yeah, yeah. Tuesday, we, we yeah grubbing it. And, and one of our family traditions, just at, at, in the evening, we either watch uh, Impractical Jokers and uh, my my daughter, she loves Sal <laughs> Sal Volcano, uh, and or will watch uh, Shark Tank. 
So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I love oh, nice. watching the game. You got the bowl games on. You got basketball games. But the family <laughs> time is when we can watch something that we all enjoy. And I can tell you, we got the whole family getting in there. We're debating on Shark Tank in terms of, hey, do we want to do we want to do this deal? And my daughter, she's savage. She's seven years old. She's like, no deal. I'm out. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And I love that. Uh, taking priority for both is it's huge. And obviously, you know, you, you mentioned you enjoy, you know, you continue to do do things, but it doesn't, it doesn't make you too busy. It's for all about family, prioritizing right? where, where are your priorities <laughs> and uh, what are you willing? There is some sacrifice. I'm not going to lie on the weekends. Uh, sometimes I have to tap out of family events in order to get done what I need to get done. But uh, I really try to prioritize my faith, my family, my friends, my fitness, my finances. I mean, there's just so many, but it's like, hey, you, you it's a balance. It definitely is a balance. And I'm going to be honest with you. I have not figured out how to do it perfectly, but I can tell you that I'm constantly working on it. And with the help of my wife, who's the boss, let's keep it real. She's the real boss. I, <laughs> I, I, might, I might think I'm the boss, but I know what the deal is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Lady. Yeah, with the help of the boss, she makes sure that we keep things tight and we keep them right. Oh, man, I love that. That's huge. Um, I mean, I couldn't say it any better, right? I mean – um, I, I'm still, you know, up and comer. I definitely want to have aspirations, uh, to start a family someday. So I love that, you know, trying to prioritize oh, is time, always big important. time. Yeah. So true. So <laughs> true. <laughs> so I, I want to touch on, on this, uh, piece real quick. When you made the transition to move to North Carolina, what was that feeling like, uh, heading into a new area? What were your what were your initial emotions and how did you make the adjustment to, to move, you know, to the oh, area? Was what was that feeling like? I mean, I was scared out of my mind. I was excited <laughs> out of my mind. I was kind of wondering what in the heck are you doing? I know you're crazy, Larry, but this is really crazy. You're, you're going to move to Rollywood, North Kagalaki <laughs> to open up a baseball Academy. But, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things <laughs> where you got to be comfortable getting uncomfortable. And I mean, there were a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say naysayers, but folks that really question folks I work with at Accenture, they're like, you're going to leave this good job to open a baseball academy. And I'm like, yep. And they're like, I knew you were crazy, <laughs> but I didn't think you were that crazy. But everything happens for a reason. I'm just I'm fortunate. I'm blessed that I had a supportive family, supportive friends that really supported me through the journey. And it was such a learning lesson. Like it's one of those where folks might say it's a failure. And uh, I would say I disagree. I mean, did it succeed? No. But did I learn from it? And did that propel me and, and prepare me for uh, these next chapters in my life? One thousand percent. So I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason, but you've got to take action. We talked about it earlier. If you just sit back and think it's the field of dreams, if you build it, they will come. You're going to be thoroughly disappointed. <laughs> so looking back on that time, it was a range of emotions. But I look back at it with just a sense of joy, a sense of accomplishment. I remember uh, my parents, my mom and my dad driving me down to Raleigh, helping me move my stuff and just uh, their support and their just uh, the look in their eyes, the joy uh, of me making that 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 jump and kind of stretching out of leaving the comfort of being around my family, moving to North Kakalaki and really pursuing my dream. It's a. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where I know that they were super proud and it, uh, I don't know. It, it was just a blessing. It still is. It, it's a, uh, it's an experience that I continue yeah. to, uh, to, to reap the uh, benefits of. Yeah. I love that. And, and just also from just moving to a new area, whether, you know, you wanted to start your own business, the baseball Academy, or even, you know, making a transition into, you know, the corporate world where you're moving for any job opportunity. What do you think the key parts of that are? And how do you make the move to say, okay, 
this is what I want to do. And, and yeah, let's just make so it I mean, there's so many different paths and you really got to find what works best for you. For me, I'm a big planner. I love writing stuff down, kind of sketching it out. <laughs> what are the pros? What are the cons? What do I need? And uh, at some point you said it, you've got to just make the jump. You got to kind of take that plunge into the deep end and just uh, hope and pray that the water is deep enough. Uh, and first of all, that there's water in there. But uh, I mean, it's one of those things where in life we all have those defining moments. We all have those choices. And it's uh, it, it certainly takes the courage. It takes the confidence. Uh, it, it takes the curiosity to ask the right questions to ensure that this is the right move for you at the right time. Uh, so many times people make moves and the timing is just a little bit off, but uh, I wish I knew the, the exact answer. That's the million dollar question. Uh, but every person is just so unique and so different. It's kind of like you got to look at that person in the mirror to determine what's going to be best for you. And what do you think the determining factor for you was uh, moving to North Carolina to Start yeah, it was just really academy. just knowing in my heart of hearts that uh, what I was doing working at Accenture wasn't God's plan for me. Uh, his gifts that he provided me, the superpowers that, that I've been blessed with were not being maximized in the role that I was doing. I think I was on the America Online project out there in Dulles, Virginia. And working, working with a lot of great people. Wow. And, I mean, AOL, <laughs> boop, 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 the, the dial-up, I mean, yeah. yeah. But uh, oh it was just God. knowing that, hey, my purpose is to help impact and influence baseball players and youngsters through the game of baseball. And uh, we had a huge impact, even though we were only open for a year and a half. I still have my old <laughs> students that come back, they connect with me on LinkedIn. They're like, Coach Larry, I still remember head down, eye on the ball. Coach Larry, I still remember you stressing about me writing out my goals and having them posted in a prominent place. So it's just <laughs> an amazing, I mean, you talked about Chris Davis. We had a cat, Evan Phillips, nine years old. He actually made it to the big leagues. He, uh, he made his big league debut, I think it was three seasons ago with the Braves and this past season, he was in the Orioles organization. Who would have thunk it that little Evan Phillips at nine years old would end up being a major league, big league baseball player? Come on now. Yes. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's amazing. That's like uh, I, when I was at Ripken, I'm probably, there's probably plenty of kids that I would announce that would eventually make it to uh, – the major be like, hey, wow, I used that's to unbelievable. That <laughs> you got to love it. That's what makes it just so interesting <laughs> and just such a valuable experience. Yeah, I mean, the game of baseball is a great game. And uh, going from that and just making an impact, you got to you got to make an impact no matter so what true. it is. Right? So true. Yeah, Larry, I, I really appreciate coming on the pod and uh yeah thank have you so a much you as well adam i'm appreciative for you hosting me and just wish you all the best thanks again man peace <laughs>